Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Uh, Naresh Vick, uh, co-founder of Kudos, a fast-growing tech-enabled agile NBFC focused on uh, underserved MSME segment in India. Uh, Naresh is a graduate of FMS Delhi and has worked for companies such as HSBC, Citigroup, uh, Aviva and Bajaj uh, Finserv before starting his own venture in 2018. Uh, hi, Naresh, welcome to ELI. Yeah, hi, thanks Priya. It's a pleasure to be here. I really must com compliment and congratulate you on this initiative that you are doing for fostering the entrepreneurial ecosystem in India, which is a much needed uh, you know, initiative for a country like ours. Thank you so much. Uh, I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Yeah, sure. So I'm Naresh Vig. Uh, I've been a Delhi ad. I mean, I was uh, born and brought up in Delhi in our middle class family. My parents, uh, I come from a banking family on my dad's side and on my mother's side, they're all businessmen. So there is a conference of salaried uh, executives and businessmen. Uh, grew up in Delhi, studied there, was doing reasonably well in uh, school. So at that time, in our time, you know, it used to be either engineering or medicine. Uh, kind of careers, traditional one. So sat in for engineering exams, uh, <clears throat> you know, cleared and did engineering. Uh, my children, other grown up, my children keep telling me still that that I wasted a seat in the engineering college because after that I, uh, you know, worked for two years while with Maruti, but then went in for an MBA. Uh, so you know, so then after MBA I went into banking career. Uh, so my engineering was from Delhi College of Engineering and then MBA again from Delhi in, in Faculty of Management Studies. Uh, so since then, I've been into a, a banking career, uh, banking and financial services career. Started with HSBC um, in 2009, uh, worked there for a <clears throat> year and then moved to Citibank. In our time, Citibank and all used to be dream jobs, campuses, a uh, long time back. But uh, so moved there and worked in consumer banking, retail banking, worked on NRI mortgages, set up NRI mortgages, uh, you know, within Citibank, across four or five continents. Uh, so, you know, a bunch of lot of exciting stuff at Citibank at those times. Uh, <clears throat> and then after retail banking, I moved to Aviva Life Insurance because five of my seniors moved in over there as CEO or, <clears throat> or you know, agency head. So I moved in over there. Uh, I had a good time on the the liability side. Before that, I was an asset side of banking, which is lending, and then went to the liability side, uh, did insurance sales for five years with Aviva, and then got an opportunity to come and work in Pune with Bajaj Finance. Mm -hmm. Bajaj, I think a lot of people know, has been a great success story in the market, uh, a franchise, which, uh, you know, so I joined as a business head in loan against property business, uh, ran that for a while. It was a large book of 1.5 billion. And then, uh, you know, worked on setting up professional loan business, which is loans to architects, doctors, and CAs. Uh, so we created a good balance sheet over there and a highly profitable business uh, model over there. And then, you know, I moved into my entrepreneurial journey, which we'll talk about more as we move forward. Sure. Uh, so the first, let's uh, start with uh, um, telling us... Uh, uh, what is Kudos Finance? Uh, what does it do? What kind of uh, customers we have? What impacts we have been bringing to them? Yeah. Kudos is a infrastructure layer NBFC. We are an NBFC, licensed NBFC from RBA. We provide 
infrastructure, digital infrastructure to all fintechs which are trying to provide lending products to their customers. For instance, let me take an example, Priya. If you have an idea that you want to start a, a lending product for financing to patients, Corona and pandemic is in top of everyone's mind, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But you know, there is. If we have, uh, if you think that you have a solution that you want to offer to patients for immediate financing of their healthcare needs, so that they can get admitted without any problem, they can get treatment that they like, mm-hmm. and you know, they should not be running around waiting for an approval. Typically, the our banking system has been such that a loan approval can take anything between three to seven days. You would require ITRs, will look at salary slips, and all that. But there are a lot of fintechs who are innovating. Let's say you have an idea that, okay, I want to provide instant loan and I would have a simple criteria which I want to enable digitally. Mm-hmm. So you would come to, to uh, you know, kudos uh, and say that, okay, this is a solution that I have. Uh, but I have been looking around the market that I need now a, a bureau to be pulled you know, for doing great analysis of the customer. And I want, you know, capital to be provided. I have to get for a digital process. I will need e-sign. I will need tie-up with e-natch for collecting EMI later. And, you know, there is also LOS and LMS that is required. For that, a fintech, or if you have the idea, you will have to go to 10 different service providers to integrate all of them under one roof before you can think of launching, which will take you six to nine months. And that time is critical for any entrepreneur when he's trying to launch a new solution for anyone else. So there are various people who also could be working on similar or something else can come up in the market. And some people can lose their, you know, steam or money that they have if they are, they can't even launch in seven months. So we immediately crash that time and we enable fintechs to launch their products within a matter of a week. So, you know, entire end-to-end digital lending for their customers in a highly customizable format is what we provide to fintechs and also to B2C digital players who may not be fintechs, who could be large e-commerce players who are also trying to give lending products to their customers. Mm-hmm. So that, so we have created a full stack digital lending infrastructure with the LOS, with the LMS, where all these services are already built in into it over the last two and a half years, that's what we've created. And any fintech who comes to us will can submit its product program. And normally when they will go to another large or traditional old player or a bank or whatever, they would be told that, okay, no, we need a, you know, straightforward two-year ITR or a six-month salary slip and a six-month statement, only then we will do it. But with us, you can have a range of options in terms of whether you want to work on transaction data that a customer has for nine months, 12 months, based on what business is running, uh, you know, on an e-commerce or any kind of things, or he's a gig economy, Uber, Swiggy driver who gets his salary for the last three to six months, and he wants a credit line product, not a term loan EMI product. Mm-hmm. He wants to pay not every month. He wants to pay only on interest for three months and then on EMI. So various kind of repayment options, various kind of eligibility and underwriting options is, is something that we are able to provide and customize for a fintech because of which they love to come to us and work with that kind of flexibility to be able to go and launch their project products in market on a you know immediate basis rather than waiting uh, and knocking so many doors over six seven months. Okay. Can you tell us what is API-based lending? Yeah. So, you know, there are traditional finance methods where you would have papers and you will have physical file and DSA will take to a bank and say, you know, is file, go, please review, go through all bank statement and financial, and then 
at the police bureau in three days and then tell us whether it can be done or not. But that is a thing of past. We provide APIs for every aspect of lending now that a customer does not, or a fintech who's acquiring a customer does not have to submit a single sheet of paper. We have done 30 lakh loans in the last two years, and I have not a single sheet of paper or any file for those customers in our office. Okay, our office is anyway 3,000 square feet. We can't hold so many papers in any case. So there is no single sheet of paper for 30 lakh customers that we have done. Now to do that, you require a lot of APIs. So that is what is API-based lending. That for every part of underwriting and customer onboarding, there is an API. There are 35 set of APIs that we have. One API, let's say, is pulling his customer's basic name and address and demographic details and then validating it through EKYC. Second API is taking his name, PAN number, and pulling a bureau through an API and assessing him whether he has good track record of repayment. Third API is doing a bank statement analysis. Fourth API is enabling a e-sign for his loan agreement without sending him a 30-page physical document, which he will have to sign at 35 times. And once the agreement will come back, the guy will say three signatures are missing, and then someone will go again, knock him at his door and say, please sign three more times at 11 p.m. in the night to do the loan on sale. So all that is you know, behind us. These APIs enable us to do the loan in a matter of five minutes. So that is where all APIs are. So this is API-based lending, no paper, all digital, customer sitting at home, on his mobile, we sitting at our office, our FinTech partner in his office, and money gets disbursed into the account. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I think you have built a very interesting solution and uh, I think uh, the uh, industry is also adopting uh, to similar solution in a very faster rate. Now, I would like to ask you uh, a question that is uh, related to the future of banking uh, industry in India and the stakeholders in it. So the way I see it, a lot of automation is coming in and the people who are uh, re required to physically be present and uh, put their uh, manual efforts are uh, not required exponentially. This is happening uh, day by day. So uh, what did you say to, about the future of uh, banking um, stakeholders, uh, like the employees the big banks have uh, in, in the coming days? What is going to happen uh, on that aspect? Yeah, so I answer in two parts the way I see. The traditional brick and mortar model and the physical distribution model is becoming a thing of past gradually. In the sense that, you know, when I also started working with a forward-looking player like a CD bank 20 years back, there is there were and there are DSAs who would pick up files, assemble them, take it to an office and get it processed. And there are branches who will process them. But now, given that things are becoming digital and customers want that as a preferred medium of operation, and it is much more seamless. So physical and branch distribution is becoming less and less relevant gradually. Of course, this is happening over a period of time only, you know, a period of few years, but it's becoming less and less relevant. People will be able to apply from their smartphones or from the convenience of their house and apply to various players. They are already doing it to a great extent and then also get fulfillment done digitally rather than going through their CAs or going through, you know, DSA networks. The second part that you asked, so branches and ATMs already going down, branches are also less required. There are people who have no branch, but they have acquired 3 million you know, 6 million customers and more. So that, of course, is transition happening. Now you ask me what can people like who are working in physical infrastructure or people like us, what everyone can do. So it's about adopting technology in every aspect of your life, which is very, very important. 
there was a time when technology used to be a department in a company today technology is the company technology is not a department in the company so every employee who is working in a physical model of course can readapt himself through the tech based solutions understanding how apis work that doesn't mean that one has to learn coding or python or node js but you need to understand how a customer journey is to be designed how you can get it uh, you know created with your tech team and whether you can be on the product side whether you can be on the uh, business analyst side whether you can be on the business development side in terms of signing up new partnerships signing up new channels so there is of course selling all the sales skills and the operation skills will be required of course in future as well but with a technology mindset of streamlining things of improving products and 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 understanding how technology works or how codes are written is very important now for everyone i think so a basic level of understanding of what is html or what is the uh, what does various platforms stand for and what they can at least enable you don't need to do it yourself but at least you should understand what it enables and that's what the transformation we have also been going through in terms of understanding a little bit of the tech language so that we can understand what customer requires and then translate it to the tech team and they can build it accordingly so understanding tech is becoming a essential thing it is not a department you are part of a technology uh, team i think everyone gradually will be becoming part of a technology team and technology will be the centerpiece for every company okay now uh, coming to the interesting part tell us how did you come up with this idea uh, in the first place okay so <clears throat> i will go back a little bit more that first i was in a corporate career uh, you know and i come to the company and pavitra my co-founder uh, <clears throat> with that uh, so i you know in my job i used to of course you know continue to run some businesses do business development and you know chase my own career milestones or promotions and so on but in between i was thinking of uh, you know entrepreneurship sometime with colleagues some senior colleagues and you know, even way back like 7 8 8 years back uh, but then in 2017 i met pavitra mohus the who was the founder of this company and now my co-founder uh, he i mean we left met in an elevator we were in the lift we happened to be neighbors in the same society also so so he started talking to me and i saw that you know he's running this uh, this this uh so i saw his passion and his enthusiasm and his enterprising nature in terms of running an nbfc alone and and trying to you know scale up a business so i like the model i first became a uh, you know a kind of a uh, advisor initially you know we should meet sometimes you know on a weekend and just discuss ideas and then gradually you know we started liking each other and he proposed also that okay why don't we join hands and all so you know i had in this, this thing in my mind that i want to try my hand at entrepreneurship uh that whether one would how one would be able to uh you know see himself without a structured environment of a corporate where multiple departments are doing various things and wanted to create a impact of of my own uh, in some ways so like the idea and we joined hands uh, and we started running this nbfc but when i came on board you know we were a, a regular traditional nbfc running a msme model where we were uh, you know acquiring customers directly and doing a business loan in a physical uh format mm-hmm. but you know uh, we met couple of partners so pavitra got approached by pavitra is my as i said you know he's a co-founder and uh, you know we are we together on this uh, kudos now so we he met uh, you know couple of his friends are or uh, you know acquaintances <clears throat> who were one of them was running a company called bonfleet and they wanted to use our services for lending to uber drivers as a prepaid card 
So we saw that we said, okay, while we are doing D2C, we will take this on board. Then some other fintech approach does that, okay, you know, we also need certain solutions. Can we digitally acquire customers? So we built a solution for them. So gradually we saw that there is so much of demand coming on this side and, and we were running B2C and B2B2C. It's now what we run together. But then we had to you know, take an important or critical decision that whether we want to run both or we have to pivot on one side. So we were clearly seeing that traditional businesses kind of becoming outdated and, and low in terms of margins. So we saw this as an opportunity that, okay, there are a lot of fintechs who are trying to solve various problems, front-ending with customers and they are building their distribution. And why don't we become their solid, uh, you know, backend uh, supporter and, and service provider who can enable them to take their journey to 3x, 5x or 10x in the format that they want with the customization that they would want. So, you know, we saw that niche and we identified it in 2018. We decided that we will stop our D2C business in 2019 and we fully moved to an infrastructure layer, happy to be at the backside, supporting various fintechs in their journey in accelerating their customer acquisition and ensuring that they succeed in the market. And with their success, we knew we, we will have our success. So that's how in the last two years, we have grown from two fintechs who are our partners to 35 now. And we have around 15 now you know, in pipeline of getting integrated. We end up integrating five, six every month. So, and you know, we've been scaling our, our business volume. We've done around 2,100 crore of business uh, in this two years in with this FinTech model. Before that, in four years, we did 110 crore of business in physical model. And in two years, we've done 2,100 crore in our B2B2C model. So that you can see how technology and how a strong infrastructure can you know, change the scale of your operations in a big way. So you started with the NBFC model and then you have pivoted to uh, a technology company. What is the vision? Yeah. Where, where do you see yourself going in uh, next five to 10 years? So we want to be the digital lender of choice for fintech partners across the country. We want to be a Shopify for fintechs. You know what a Shopify enables, fin, uh, you know, customers that they can come in and, you know, create their products and they can, you know, then launch their products in the market and customers can continue to acquire customers at a rapid pace with no technology constraints, or no physical constraints. We want to have, we want to be the digital lender of the choice with cutting edge digital solutions for fintechs across the country. Uh, so, you know, we have around uh, 35 partners now. Maybe we scale up to around 400 fintech partners, which will, you know, and, and through them we can enable, uh, you know, a billion dollars, multiple billion dollars of, of lending uh, in, in, in five years uh, time. Uh, and of course, it's a, it's a big goal, uh, but I think uh, last two years have given us a lot of confidence. Our own capability, you know, has been tested multiple times with Corona pandemic being there, which is there for every, which, you know, jolted every aspect of uh, business and industry in the country. But, you know, thankfully, uh, luckily for us, Given that we had transitions ourselves two years back into a digital player, it, we were already prepared for a post-pandemic or a pandemic world because we didn't, in the last two months also, we hadn't stopped our lending. We've been growing. So, you know, we were at 28 crore in March and we were, uh, you know, 34 crore in April and we'll do 40 crore this month, uh, even though there is lockdown everywhere. And even last year, we, you know, we ended the last year uh, with a nil loss for a full year at 100 crore of, of loans. But we didn't have to take any loss and we ended with a profit uh, number for the year. Given that we are a completely digital player. So, you know, we want to be the digital player uh, lender 
infrastructure lender of choice for fintechs in the country you made a very interesting point uh, you said uh, you want to become a shopify for uh, uh, for the banks or uh, whoever wants to get into finance for fintech players who are yeah, who want to lend to their customers okay so uh, enable digital lending to their customers yeah. try, trying to make an analogy here uh, shopify Uh, if you if you look closely the people or the companies who use shopify they are the beginners or beginning level players the scale doesn't matter uh, in that case whoever uh, wants to use shopify can uh, build their uh, business out of it so it, it, this is another way of saying that the finance industry is becoming so easy to access or so easy to enter for any players for that matter uh, in future we'll be seeing very micro and uh many players entering to uh, the banking and finance sector and be- becoming successful uh, what did you say on that you are sure you know uh, as entrepreneurial ecosystem is growing in, in the country more and more fintechs will come we welcome that and we are here to support that but, you know uh, because bigger banks and large nbfcs have multiple priorities and they may or may not have time or want to have agility for smaller players but we have been welcoming them with open arms we've been working with fintech seed stage also people who have just raised either bootstrapped or have uh, you know raised very small rounds and we work from a seed stage up to a series h funded unicorns as well you know they also so h or a unicorn stage companies also are lending with us and seed stage companies are also lending with us because they like the customization and the agility we are able to provide them we lend them a, a you know a proper uh here in terms of understanding their requirements our business analyst team and bd team works with them in terms of translating into a, a real time uh digital customer journey on the platform or on los and lms and then we enable them to start their business as i said in a week or 15 days time uh, so irrespective of their size and scale people have been coming and working with us and we, and we welcome them and that's how we want to continue to to support journeys of various fintechs what did you say is the future of traditional uh, banking players like uh, the big banks hdfc icici and the axis banks of the world i think they are already behemoths and they have a large market uh, access very large presence india is a such a large country the the credit gap is in trillions every segment that we look at whether it is education whether it is uh, you know agritech or whether it is uh healthcare it is 200 500 800 billion market so these players are extremely well established they are already transforming themselves in terms of their technology footprint of course they will move at a large scale they will move gradually uh, and there is a whole you know market in urban and sorry rural india which is still under tapped unserved where these people already have a good foothold as well for their future growth so i think they continue to grow and do well people who adapt technology fast will will continue to have better roes people who may take time would have disadvantage over there but for us we see that there is a large and a wide open gap uh, for enabling lending in a digital format because unfortunately or fortunately a lot of players still work on a you know uh, on a physical agreement even today if you go to any player even foreign banks and indian banks i have to take a loan from a foreign bank last year no home loan i signed a physical agreement you know even in last year and lot of i mean 80% of loans i think even today are in physical agreement 80% or more uh, you know in lot of segment so given that those people are going to take time it, it opens for us a very large space of providing completely digital 
lending and we continue to improve our capabilities our tech stack continues to get reinvented every quarter there are new things coming in token model there is uh, you know uh, <clears throat> this thing in terms of various stages of ecoas evolution various you know gst coming in that provides a lot more opportunities for uh, digital underwriting so each of these things is helping us move forward uh, so we see a large gap to be served on the digital side we see a big market for us the traditional players will of course continue to grow uh, given the size of the market uh, and, and i think uh, we some of them are continuing to be our lenders uh, and we and, and we hope to coexist and grow with these larger players what are the different challenges you have faced so far uh, while building and growing this venture okay so uh, the pace at which the technology requirement of customers is moving given that customers are also well connected now globally across various sectors uh and uh, you know and the fact that the business cycles uh, you know the business environment continues to be fluid whether it is corona or whether it is sometimes recession and some other uh, you know ups and downs in market various segments like our gig economy segment went through challenges time where because of job losses and all so two kind of challenges one is on the technology side how fast that one can continue to uh, upgrade and reinvent and get good quality technology manpower as well that also continues to be a challenge to have good quality technology team and being able to uh, you know align them on lending side and continue to build those uh, given that we also do not have any, we have limited budgets to invest and grow uh, we are broadly bootstrap we have raised only 700000 through investors so that is one part how much one can continue to invest in technology so that we can continue to improve our solutions secondly the business cycles also you know sometimes push you to take a pause because lending is very easy but we are not actually in business of lending we are in the business of collecting we make money only when customers pay back uh, so if some customer industry segments are going through tough time and if you you can very easily lend and grow but you really have to watch your portfolio growth uh, uh, and if there are cycles happening then you have to slow down that growth and the last one one and a half year has been like that so i would say the ability to continue to continuously keep up with the technology changes and the portfolio side you know looking at behavior of various portfolio are two two challenges that uh, such businesses or lending businesses have and ours is infrastructure layer so technology uh, is, is, is becomes an integral part of it so that that is a challenge how much one can continue to invest but thankfully for us we've been uh, you know profitable and we've been able to uh, invest in our uh, you know to a reasonable extent and our uh, fintech partners have been more than happy or have been very uh, positive business with us and continue to refer us good partners because of the agility that they see in our tech stack uh what are the different pivots that you have made uh, so far uh, in this uh, journey of building uh, of course you you have uh, mentioned about one pivot that you did from nbfc to uh, technology model yes. uh, what are the other pivots that, that that you went through as a business Yeah, so let me clarify. We we have made yeah made that uh, pivot from a NBF traditional NBFC to a B two B two C NBFC. We continue to be NBFC, but yeah, we don't acquire directly now. We work on uh, for with enabling fintechs and in a B two B two C model. On the other side, you know, we had to pivot between segments as well, uh, in the sense, you know, 
the fintechs, the various, there are various categories of fintechs which work with us. And we have around seven segments that we work in, which is uh, healthcare finance, providing patient financing, mm-hmm. education loan financing, where we provide loans to parents who want to finance school fees or want to uh, give courses like a upgrade course or a uh, buy juice kind of similar courses to the, for their buy for their children, financing those. Uh, then there is revenue-based financing, various merchants which have you know, uh, e-commerce payments coming in based on their transaction data. We finance them based on their revenue, not based on last year profit. Uh, there is consumption loans, which is small ticket loans where people can you know, take a 5,000, 15,000 loan and, and so on. There is buy now, pay later loans. Uh, and, uh, there is, uh, and there is expense management uh, loans that we, that we do. Now, within these segments, there are certain segments that we had to take a call on, like consumption loans. You know, there was an RBI uh, guideline that, okay, consumption loans need to have certain guidelines. Uh, and they, they formed a working committee, you know, in, in the month of January that, you know, that will give out those guidelines for the consumption loan and digital lending segment of small ticket lending. So we took a pause at saying that, okay, we will not do this phase. And that was a fast growing and a profitable phase for, our, I mean, segment for us. But we decided that we want to be completely on the right side of the regulation also and be fully clear uh, about what segments we want to grow. So we are waiting for those guidelines. So we stopped that on January, compromising a lot of profit, uh, you know, pool that it was generating. But we immediately, because we had education-based finance, we had uh, expense management and we had healthcare, we could pivot to that side and, and grow that faster. Uh, so yeah, so those are kind of changes that we have to go through, uh, you know, in two years, moving from B2B, so B2C to B2B2C, and then choosing between segments and deprioritizing some. Even now we try to, we are making conscious calls of seeing that gig economy segment, we need to be at a slower pace, uh, given that that you know performance uh, in terms of job losses could have an impact and continue to grow on the other side, uh, which is startup card financing and expense management, which is growing well. So these are decisions that I think it take every six months uh, so that to navigate our business in a profitable manner as well and and, and in a manner rather that we continue to scale it uh, you know, while keeping the portfolio quality in good control. Okay. Uh, now we will talk about uh, decision making. Uh, I think you would agree entrepreneurship uh, is the art of decision making uh, in another way. Uh, and someone, as someone rightly said, uh, that if you are an entrepreneur, then you have to take a lot of uh, right decisions. Uh, and if you are a fintech entrepreneur or uh, entrepreneur in finance, then uh, at least 99% of times you have to be right. Uh, having said that, how do you say that you make? How do you make the decisions? What is the uh, process of decision making that you follow? Yeah, you know, uh, one is if you are positive uh, about future, if you are, uh, if you are clear, conscious, and you are honest in your approach, a lot of decision will start falling in place. Uh, but in our own company, let me go to the specific part. You know, because me and Pavitra are co-founders. So we, of course, discuss with each other on all critical decisions. We have certain areas that we focus on separately between two of us, but of course we're discussing critical items. And let me take an example. Last year, you know, when pandemic happened, and you will remember in May, uh, RBI had rolled out a moratorium policy, whereby, you know, because customers were in difficult time and they you know, people were not able to go to offices, not getting salaries, businesses are not working. So they offered moratorium to... Uh, 
troubled banks and investors, we need to offer moratorium to customers. So let's say if I have a 10,000 crore book, uh, sorry, let's say 10 crore book on that <clears throat> as an example, and I say that, okay, I will have to offer moratorium to all my customers that if they can't pay EMI for three months, you know, that is fine. Mm -hmm. So we offered that moratorium to all our customers, to our entire portfolio. Uh, however, there are banks which have given loans to us and we have to service their EMIs. So when our team checked with the banks, our lenders, they said, yeah, you are also eligible for moratorium. If you want, you can take moratorium. But then Pavitra and I discussed and we decided that, okay, for the reputation of our business and uh, for us to have a you know strong track record uh, in the market, we would, while we would offer moratorium to our customers, but we will not take the moratorium from our lenders. And it was a tough decision because there was a lot of uncertainty that money that we had to pay to banks for as interest and EMI could have been, you know, handy to pay salaries more or to continue to run our operations, you know, for more time because we never knew when the moratorium is going to end or rather when the lockdown is going to end in the month of May last year, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, but we took those decisions. But the thing is, we consult and we decide that, okay, what is right for the business for long term, not just short term. If you are looking at long term goals, uh, you know, and if you have a collaborative approach where you reason out, uh, there will be differences of opinion at times. But then, you know, if you know you are clear in terms of the end goal, I think both of us align on that, and and we've been it's been a great journey for us in the last three years that we've been able to agree in a consultative approach and uh, move forward. And in case of Delma, of course, there are certain advisors that, you know, I think for every entrepreneur, there should be some outside sounding board advisors. They can also help you in decision making where the options are multiple and, and any path is not a wrong path. There are two, three right paths to, to be taken. But of course, your advisors can surely help you there as well. Okay. Uh, speaking of the wrong path, uh, you would agree that uh, although most of our decisions are, are right, uh, but some decisions end, end up being a failure. So tell yes, us sir. tell us some uh, about some of the failures that you have gone through as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So again, first I'll say when we were trying to scale up B2C in a business loan or even a professional loan format, we were not able to scale that up. Uh, given our cost of funds was not in line and the performance of the portfolio, we, we didn't see it performing too well given the kind of channels we had. So that was the, the two, two years back. But uh, let me talk uh, more uh, recent examples that last year when we were doing fintech loans also in this model, you know, we were uh, within the same segment, we could see different performance. For example, we were lending, we started lending in education space and we lent to schools as well. So on one side, we were lending to parents uh, who are trying to finance fees for their children. On the other side, we were financing to the school trust, to the school itself. Mm -hmm. uh, now that portfolio, while it was scaling up initially far, but we saw very average and below average performance, uh, especially in tier two, tier three towns. It was the schools who started, you know, defaulting on payment first. The parent was still paying and they continued to pay well. So that was segment which was growing, but we failed to scale that segment up. It performed badly, and we could pull back in reasonable time. And we had FLDG protection in terms of deposit. But initially, last year, we were very bullish on school finance segment, financing to schools, but Unfortunately, it didn't pay us well, and we kind of failed to scale it. Uh, and we, but we rebooted from that. We continued to grow parent finance. We went into agri-tech financing, agriculture financing, and other segments uh, which have done well uh, for us. So there are there are failures in segment, and of course there are sometimes 
you know, in terms of our delivery timelines on delivering a particular service, we do extend it at times. Uh, you know, at least in last year, it did happen because people are uh, also not able to come here at you know because of pandemic and other reasons. So, so those things do happen, but I think we've been able to overcome that with now more robust management team and a well laid out org structure in the company. Uh, but of course, there have been hiccups in the last two years. Okay. But as long as one learns from that and put puts other uh, you know measures in place, I think these help you move forward in a bigger, faster way as well. Okay, we'll talk about the learnings. Uh, before that, uh, can you tell us what is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you? How would you define uh, entrepreneurship? The entrepreneurship is a journey of self-discovery. Well, because you know your company starts representing the company starts representing the founders' values and ethics over a period of time, because the founders make various decisions in the life of the company, which segment to pursue. what kind of values to pursue what kind of uh, dealings or transparency you have in terms of your interaction with partners how do you reward your employees how do you you know recognize or motivate your team so you know that's the founders uh, you know uh, values and ethics start going to the company so entrepreneurship for me is a uh, you know is a is a journey of self discovery and uh, you know leaving an uh, an impact uh you know and building a legacy uh with what thought process you have what mindset or what creativity you have and what uh strengths and weaknesses you would have so it's about uh you know creating something of your own it's a great opportunity uh you know for people to come out of any world whether it's corporate world or they need to try their hand of what they think is important for you know their immediate society or their neighborhood or their country or whatever but it's about expressing yourself uh, and many and giving a manifestation of of yourself out in the market uh, and of course uh, creating something new which has a lasting impact and a legacy whether that happens or not happens is is for future uh, but but the intent is to represent yourself out there and create something very new okay which people in in society can can value mm-hmm. can and benefit from coming to the final part the last question tell us about the learnings that you have got as an entrepreneur which can be taken away by our listeners and applied uh, can be applied in their ventures as well and uh, so that they don't have to go through that same learning phase again that you have gone through so two three learnings first i start with the timing of entrepreneurship itself i think i could have been 5 7 years earlier as well as an entrepreneur and and why i want to elaborate on that i mean from that is that there are so many people in corporate world who are doing extremely well and who do uh, you know great achieve great heights in their career uh but i think as a country we had less of entrepreneurship culture earlier but now it has changed uh and it's a matter of personal comfort but i would tell people that okay entrepreneurship is also not that different it will have high rate of failure as well and it it is there is no guarantee for success whether in a career or in entrepreneurship but i think people who have uh, you know have a reasonable corporate career as well or have a reasonable confidence of going out in the market and doing trying their hand they should take a punt on this some at some stage in their life earlier the better but one should go for that that is one learning secondly when you start when i came into entrepreneurship you would 
expect certain things to be there in the company or your idea when you try to implement it and you would think of a path but things can will turn out to be radically different that one can be rest assured of there are a lot of times that you know the reality will be much may more different i thought we will have we will improve our cost of funds and we will easily do business loans or doctor loans at a uh, you know with a good margin but i was wrong you know things don't happen that way you know because you need to have certain size scale rating whatever else to achieve certain things and various other times also things have changed in the market so be ready to accept that change and to repeat don't get egoistic stuck on one idea ki mere ko to ye aata tha to i will do this only and i will prove it to the world there is no point doing that you have to look at your strength circumstances and then repeat to be ready to repeat rather than becoming just possessive about something uh, that i want to do only this because i just came for this so you have to repeat in reality of the market and the customer segment that you look at thirdly i would say that uh, uh, you know when you are um, you know working with a team and especially when you work with uh, you know entrepreneur always face this question whether there should be a single entrepreneur or multiple founders and i've read about this also i in my view it is generally true with three founders which is the ideal thing not maybe one or not maybe four five i think four five is too many one is less because there are a lot of times that you want to support each other there are a lot of times that you are lonely as an entrepreneur there are a lot of times that there are challenges there are times in our journey when we were only 45 days away from running out of funds and we didn't know you know one to two years back that whether we will have something but another learning that i've had is that if you continue to knock on doors and you continue to work in a honest and confident manner with the right approach you knock three doors at least one door will open so as a entrepreneur you have to be persistent and continue to you know uh, look at keep trying new things and i and me and pavitra i look at him also in some ways we learn from each other so you know i've seen that you know if you continue to push things and you continue to uh, you know try new things uh, one out of three would work out for you but you have to be persistent enough uh, so broadly i would say those are the learning that i've had uh, in terms of my journey uh, I mean, see how it progresses, but uh, definitely I'm not regretted it ever uh, that I moved into from a long corporate career, moved into a entrepreneurial side. Well. uh it it was a uh, very nice conversation and i i got to uh, got to learn a lot about uh, fintech and uh, uh, different aspects of entrepreneurship uh, thanks for your time naresh and uh, i would say my best wishes for kudos finance thank you very much priya wish you the very best in your initiative as well and it was a pleasure interacting with you over the last 35 40 minutes